This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. I'm your host, Charlie McDermott. Welcome to episode number 309 of the Good Neighbor Podcast. And today, talk about a good neighbor probably goes beyond that. But we're bringing on Pastor Tim Carson, and he is with Estero United Methodist Church. Tim, how are you doing? I am doing well. Well, given, uh, given everything else that's going around, uh, I am doing fine. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think you can you can say that most any time. But boy, in this this time right now, hopefully there's a there's a glimmer of hope uh, as we quickly roll into uh, 2021 here. I'm, we're calling it 2020 wonderful. Uh, that's, that's our theme for, what are we, two weeks away from 2020 wonderful, right? So, yeah, well, let's hope. (laughs) And speaking of hope and the wonderful things that you guys are doing, tell us a little bit about Astero United Methodist Church. Um, it's an interesting, just really an interesting place. I tell people all the time, this church is an absolute treasure chest to people. It really is. Mm. Um, the church is 102 years old. Uh, it was founded by um, primarily by the Fernandes family, who were Portuguese Catholic missionaries coming to the United States in like 1910 to found a Catholic church. They ended up in the Estero area when the captain of the freighter, who was supposed to be taking them from Key West to Tampa, put them off on the island that is now Fort Myers Beach, but then was uninhabited. The couple with two small children under five put the marooned them and sailed off with all their things. Whoa. Yeah. And so they didn't know the language. They didn't know anybody. They were on an island separated from the mainland. Uh, a local guy who was who was a fisherman and was living on Mount Key at the time found them, rescued them, took them to Mount Key. They gave them some property, taught them how to fish. They ended up being part of the Estero community and ended up being the founding uh, folks of our church, which is just an amazing story. Um, what a story! Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it really is something. Um, but this church has been—it's the—it was the first church in our area, and the Estero community uh, has been kind of at the center of the of the life of the community uh, for a long time. And then as Estero's changed, uh, we've changed as well. So yeah. lots lots of changes in this area. Wow, yeah. And how about? Your journey, Tim, how did you get into the, you know, the church world, becoming a pastor and all that? What was that journey like? Um, I grew up as a um, Irish Roman Catholic boy. Uh, was a, charge here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, was an altar boy, did all the the smells and the bells and all that. Stuff. <laughs> My I've never heard thing. that before. Yeah. That's great. My favorite thing as an altar boy was swinging the incense. Yes. Uh, you know, a couple times a year, you got to swing the incense. And I, I love swinging the incense. Um, and then uh, my faith deepened significantly through an organization called Young Life, uh, which um, 
is uh, does work with high school and now middle school and college kids uh, back in the 70s when I was uh, a part of Young Life, they were primarily high school. And so my faith deepened pretty significantly through them. Uh, mm. had a, a conversion experience uh, through that um, through that organization. Uh, and then, um, you know, this work ends up feeling like a call. And when I went to my uh, pastor, uh, a few years in my mid twenties, and said, "I I might be thinking that I want to be a pastor." Um, he said, um, "If you can do anything else and be happy, you should do that." And I thought, "Well, that's not very encouraging," um, <laughs> but it was really great advice, and yeah. so that's what he that's what he told me to do, and I recognized that I this is what I was supposed to do, and so. Um, yeah, I was a youth director for 10 years and thought I was going to be one of those people who, who did that forever and then um, lost my connection with middle school kids, kind of realized the day that I wanted to smack them more than I wanted to love them, that it's probably better to move on and then uh, moved into moved into pastoral ministry. Well, and then how did you land at Estero United? And the uh, Methodist Church were appointed so uh, our bishop, and uh, in cooperation with our uh, district uh, superintendents, uh, do an appointment. It's a consultative process. We have some say, but part of my ordination vows were, if you tell me I'm going, I'm going. And uh, we had planted a church in Lakeland, had been there 14 years, and knew that it was time to leave. And so we kind of put our names in the hat and I got a call from the district superintendent saying um, we had asked to go north because our kids were north in North Florida. And, uh, and so we had asked to head there and she said, it's a great church, but it's not north. And I said, okay. And she said, it's in Estero. And I said, is that in Cuba? Because <laughs> I had never heard of it. Um, and she told me where it was. I had never heard of Estero before yeah. I came here, and I came here eight and a half years ago. Wow. So, yeah. That's great. So let's talk myths for a moment or two here. Okay. Sir, out there, what can you speak to uh, in your world? Um, in my world, there's a couple myths. Um, one that uh, that somehow churches are this perfect place, mm. uh, that there's not conflict, that there aren't people who are messed up, that you're that you can come to church and only good things will happen to you. Uh, the problem with that is that people are messy no matter where you are, and everyone, including the pastor, is in process, and uh, so we are moving hopefully. Uh, to be to have our faith more deeply integrated, to be more loving and kind and generous people, but we're certainly not all there. Uh, and so, I, as I was thinking about the question of myths, I think that's kind of the the first and biggest myth of you know, okay, you go to church and everything's going to be great. Uh, it's not, um, you know, and sometimes. Um, you know, everybody got issues and sometimes people hide behind their 
their faith and don't deal with their issues. And, and so they come out in other ways. So I, I think that's the first and probably the biggest yeah. uh, myth. Uh, the second myth is churches are just after your money. Uh, you know, this is all just a racket, that kind of stuff. Um, mm. at, at least here, um, what I tell people all the time is that, hey, um, kind of the bottom line is God doesn't need your money and the gospel will go forward whether you give or not. You need to give for you because it's so easy for your stuff to own your heart. And so uh, that's why we give. We don't give because God needs our stuff. So, yeah. So wow. to answer the myth question, those would be the two that I would kind of. There's more, but those would be the two I would go for. No, I, I think you, you nailed them. My goodness, they're great ones. Yeah. How about outside of the church? Uh, what are you doing for fun? Um, I am a, ho- a hobby rotator. Uh, I, I bore somewhat easily. <laughs> and so I have a host of hobbies, and I kind of rotate between them. Um, I have right now three aquariums. Um, so I am Jeez. raising African cichlids, and that and that's fun. Um, I have a garden currently. Uh, I will go through times of woodworking. Uh, I've made furniture. My furniture making is uh, my best stuff is kind of scratch and dent, you know. But it's good for me to to get out and do that. Um, read. I've gone through times of fishing and golf, and I'll just sort of rotate around. And I am a um, I am a significant Steelers fan. I come by it honestly. Growing up in Pittsburgh, um, and so I follow the NFL pretty closely. And then Cindy and I, uh, you know, keep up with each other. Try to try to see each other date nights. Those kind of things. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, I gotta admit, growing up. In the Philadelphia area, the Eagles were not much to speak of. And uh, I became a Steeler fan as well with Franco Harris and Bradshaw yeah. and Lansman and, you know, the, yeah. the miracle catch in the playoff game. I, I still remember, like, running outside when Franco Harris picked that ball up, like a fraction of the inch off the turf yeah. and ran it in. And, and I'm, like, running outside the house like, waiting for the celebration to begin. And then it struck me like, well, my goodness, this is not Pittsburgh. This yeah, is I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a teenager in the seventies when they were winning Super Bowls. And yeah. I, and the story I tell is um, my dad, if the Steelers would play bad and lose, he would be so disgusted. He would have to go take a nap. Afterward, he just like, I can't do this. I'm going to like, that's how serious it was. And uh, so I've gotten that and passed it on to my kids. (laughs) Good for you. That's great. Well, speaking of hardship, uh, uh, you know, both the Philadelphia, more hardship in Philadelphia, but, um, you know, looking back at life, Tim, challenge, hardship, what comes to mind? Something that you can now say, hey, I'm better for it. I'm stronger. Um, I think the story I I would tell is, um, you know, I came up in a kind of typical Irish Catholic uh, middle class family from the outside. 
from the inside, my dad had a, a significant alcohol problem um, that um, mm. that made our some of the family dynamics and some of the things that happened um, were difficult. Um, and my role in the alcoholic family system, um, you know, you kind of get roles, but the goal is to keep everything even and smooth so that, um, so that things don't explode. Uh, one of the addiction things or alcohol things is you never know what's going to set everything off. And so you try to keep everything even. And of course, when you grow up in that, then you have to, uh, you carry, you think that's normal and you kind of carry that on. And so, you know, I've had to learn to overcome that. That mm -hmm. doesn't work. Keeping the peace all the time doesn't work um, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father. Uh, it just doesn't work all the time to, to be able to do that. There are times when confrontation is the right thing to do and you have to do it. And so uh, been able to do some of the work in that area. And, um, you know, I started uh, personal counseling, professional counseling when I was 29 and uh, have been on and off my whole adult life just trying to work out some of that stuff to, to let God work in some of that in and through some of those things so i think in that sense it's really helped my leadership and my ability to kind of move forward so yeah yeah wow thanks for sharing that mm -hmm. how about one thing you wish our listeners knew about the church what comes to mind i want to tell the story here about um about our food distribution that's happened since the pandemic uh, because I think it's it's indicative it's an indicative story about the generosity of this church. We have partnerships. One of our partners is New Horizons. Uh, they help at-risk students, and in normal times, we have 190 uh, of those students on our campus, uh, four days a week, receiving tutoring after school. Um, we have about a, we have over 100 volunteers from our church who uh, volunteer with them and do ministry. Um, while they were, since the pandemic, Lee County was giving out the, the free lunches at our site through New Horizons. On, off our campus, people were driving through. Easter weekend, uh, the county said they weren't gonna do Good Friday or Easter Monday of handing out food distribution. And the folks in our Latino ministry told us hey, we have people who we know who won't have enough food to get through the weekend. And so we said, okay, we have some money left over that had been given actually back in Hurricane Irma uh, and that had just kind of built up in the couple of years since then. We said, okay, we'll use that as seed money and we'll go out and we'll go to Restaurant Depot and we'll buy some food and we'll make up some food bags and we'll give out food. So we did that that first Sunday, uh, or that first Friday. We did it Friday morning, and we had about 60 cars come through, and we gave, uh, you know, some vegetables, a dozen eggs, uh, you know, about five pounds of food to help people get through the weekend, some meat, um, some things. Um, it went so well, people said, why don't we keep doing that? Well, those 60 cars in the next 26 weeks uh, turned into 400 cars a Friday. 
Um, we ended up with, and this is not soliciting anything. We never ask anyone for anything. Uh, we ended up having 900 pounds of chicken donated. We ended up having about 400 um, watermelons donated. A lady called us and said, hey, I own several of the Domino's pizzas in our area. I want to give, but I don't know how to distribute it. Would you all distribute it for us? We said, sure. She brought 200 pizzas that we gave out. Um, and then the guy who was heading it up for us went down to Oaks Farms, um, seat the table, was talking to a friend about what we were doing. He had just come from here. And the owner heard, overheard his conversation and said, we want to be involved in that. And over the next 16 weeks, and I'm not, this is real stuff. Over the next 16 weeks, Oaks Farm Seed to Table has donated over 750,000 pounds of fruits and vegetables and meats that we have given out for free. We've given them not just to people driving through our, um, our property on Friday mornings. We've given them to, we've had about, I think, 18 other uh, groups, nonprofits, who would come here Friday, pick up the, the stuff that they were bringing and take it back to their communities and hand it out. And it was just amazing. On top of that, people from not only our church, but our community donated over $80,000 that we spent on food and helping people with rent and helping people with electric bills. Uh, you know, we paid car insurance. We paid medical bills. Uh, over $80,000 um, throughout the pandemic that's just come through our door that we've been able to turn around and put it all back. And I tell you that story not to pat us on the back because we didn't do, all we did was say, oh, well, here's a need. We can do a little something. And then it just turned into a loaves and fishes thing while we just stood by and watched sort of amazingly um, and, and went from there. So, um, yeah, but this is an extraordinarily generous church. Um, we just finished our angel tree uh, thing. 400 and some gifts going out to local families. We gave out over 400 Thanksgiving meals. Um, so that would be what I would say that I wish people knew. It, it isn't, again, to go back to the myth, we're not just here asking for your money. Uh, we're here trying to make a difference in the community, trying to serve uh, folks in our community, uh, you know, uh, and hopefully win the right to talk about some of the other things that we think are important. Wow. Wow. Again, thank you so much for, for sharing that. You know, I, we've talked a, a few times with different guests, you know, how we're so fortunate to be, to live in an area like this. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of wealth here and not everyone, uh, you know, gets to see or understands the needs and to have, you know, certainly a church like yours to, to go above and beyond and to get everyone involved. You know, that's what this whole Good Neighbor podcast is really about, you know, yeah. or we're all in the same community. Yeah. And the rising tide raises all boats and, and we've got to take care of our, you know, yeah. neighbors. And, wow. Now, from where I am, I'm in my church office. 
half a mile from here, literally half a mile from here, are about 60 mobile trailers that are set up that have been there forever. And it is primarily folks who are either first generation or just trying to get in uh, immigration folks living there. You go three miles in another direction and you are in three to $5 million homes. All of that is right here and, you know, right around us. So there, there's lots of things that are going on. Uh, mm. I had one guy come up in the food line and he obviously did. He obviously was terribly uncomfortable with yeah. being there. Like didn't know whether he was in the right place. He had his two little girls in the car mm. and was like, am I okay to do this? Mm. And we were like, are you kidding? And we put the bags in and he literally was tearing up saying, I've never had to do this, but I got to feed my kids. And we're like, you know, he regular good guy who just got caught up in something that was bigger than him and is just trying to make it. I mean, we have we have a ton of those stories. And, you know, if if not for you guys, where would those individuals be today? You know, it's it's um, it's it's like the uh, what is it? The Wonderful Life uh, movie. And, and, you know, if it'd be interesting for, for, for everyone, but, you know, to look back and say, you know, what if, right. You know, yeah. if, if you guys weren't there, uh, you know, the stress and, and, you know, certainly where you grew up, you know, you know, just little things that can, can ripple out to create, you know, you know, unfortunately events that impact families for life. And, yeah. uh, you know, because of you guys, you know, probably, that individual's kids will just, you know, it'll be a little blip on the radar, radar, and and um, you know, they'll survive it, and they'll also hopefully uh, look to the church as, hey, you know, we um, we're fortunate to have you in the community, and this is a place where everyone can come to be together and help one another. Yeah, yeah, that would be. That I mean, like I said, you, you do it because it's the right thing to do, and you're supposed to do it. And uh, and so just that one little decision. Oh, we can give out food. We have some money in a fund. We can we can go buy some food and hand it out. And yeah. uh, that little thing turned into uh, way, way, way more than we ever thought it would. So, yeah, it's good. Well, speaking of getting the word out and community and all that, I know we have listeners who want to learn more. Where should we send them? How should they uh, get in touch with you guys? Um, they can go to our website, asterounc.com. There's lots of information um, there. Like every other church in the world, I think right now, uh, we have services online, all of that stuff. You can kind of check us out and uh, see who we are there. Uh, you know, uh, we. We have a big campus right at the corner of 41 and Broadway in Estero. Uh, and so, you know, feel free to drive by and see who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim, really appreciate you spending time with us and sharing everything that you have. And uh, we wish you the absolute best and a big, big thank you, not only for me, but I know our listeners and everything you and, and the rest of the church have done for the community. Well, thank you. It's it's really been fun to sit and do this. Didn't know what I was in for, but it's been, it's been a good conversation. So thanks so much. Well, I took it easy on you because you're a Steelers fan. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. 
Thank you for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast. To nominate your favorite local business to be featured on the show, go to goodneighborpodcast.com. That's goodneighborpodcast.com. Or call us at 239-224-4105.